Hello and welcome to the weekly commodity market update. I'm Brownfield's Will Robinson, joined by Ben Brown from the University of Missouri. Good morning, Ben. Good morning, Will. Happy March. Happy March, indeed. Yeah. So we had uh, some, uh, you know, some interesting things, uh, you know, happen at the the end of February. A lot of fast movement in the markets. A lot of up and down to to close out the month there as we uh, set into to new contracts, being the nearbys. Uh, so Ben, can you just give me a, an overview of what we saw last week? Yeah, no, I sure can. I always love this time of year, but it certainly was stressful uh, looking at the markets here the last couple of weeks. So that old crop May contract up 34 cents to $6.90. Uh, new crop corn only up 8 cents. So we saw an expanded uh, negative carry there for corn. Old crop soybeans for May were up 26 cents uh, to for $16.36. However, new crop soybeans for November were down 29 cents. So again, that expanded carry there in soybeans. Looking at the soybean complex, soybean oil was up four and a half cents per pound. Soybean meal was relatively flat on the week. Old crop wheat for May was up $1.11 to $9.34. And then new crop July wheat up 79 cents. Again, an expanded negative carry there as well. What type of highlights did you uh, you see from the market last week? So we had several things come out. Uh, USDA released their 10-year outlook for uh, grain crops last week during the Ag Outlook Forum. Most of this information is usually known ahead of time, so there's little market impact. Uh, USDA acreage was within reason and matched most market analyst expectations. The trend line yields are just that. They're just a trend line uh, for, for crops. They were a little bearish given how robust or how strong yields uh, are in, in that trend calculation. U.S. ethanol production was up last week with ethanol stocks relatively flat. Export sales were relatively strong for corn, soybeans, and wheat. Uh, we continue to see fairly large new crop soybean uh, purchases of of basically insurance against the smaller global supplies is kind of how I would put that into to a statement. Corn, soybeans, milo, and wheat export in inspections were all down last week from the week before. However, China continues to take shipments from their really large committed unshipped supplies and then managed money holdings of corn, soybeans, and wheat were all up and remain at elevated positions. Uh, so going off some of the things that you said in your, your recap there, we're seeing some spread maybe between uh, some uh, nearbys and deferred contracts in the grain sector. Uh, so looking at a market carry, you, you know, you're, you're seeing inverted markets. What does that mean? And what does that signal to, to producers? Yeah, a great question. Uh, I guess a quick review of market carry. Market carry, or sometimes people refer to it as carrying charges, are the difference between two futures contract months. Uh, so they're they're the same commodity, uh, but just different months. So you think of May and July corn contracts. Many people believe that that difference is the market's expectation of price direction. And in some cases that's, that's accurate. So like a difference between May and December corn, if May is higher than December, the, some people will look at that and say, the market is expecting corn prices to decrease from May into December. And that's somewhat correct, but then also you got to think about like here in the United States, we're producing another crop. So we've got supplies that are coming onto the market and that would push down price. Uh, so from that standpoint, it's, it's partially true. However, this isn't completely accurate because new crop corn, uh, again, like I said, is impacting that, that price. And so if we're just looking at you know, the spread between the carrying charge is really a signal about when market 
participants like merchandisers, processors, and exporters need grain and are incentivizing or disincentivizing producers to store that crop. So we're experiencing an inverted market uh, right now. You heard this during my market recap, and that continues to grow, or at least it grew last week. As of Monday afternoon, corn had a negative 20 cent market carry between May and July contracts and a negative 83 cent carry between May and December. Similarly, soybeans continue to have inverted markets, 20 cent negative carry between May and July and negative $2 carry between May and November. Kansas City hard wheat and Chicago soft wheat are all negative as well. So a couple of market thoughts are here related to marketing uh, for you know, old crop grain, meaning 2021 corn, soybean, and wheat production, uh, the market is not providing producers an incentive to hold that grain. However, it does kind of create two, two different pieces of sentiment, right? So if the market is demanding grain right now, they likely will be demanding grain in July. And so, you know, it could be producers saying, hey, the market's going up, the market needs grain now, they're definitely going to need grain in July, and that's going to cause prices to go, go higher, right? Um, so could prices go up by July? Yes. Could they also go down? Yes, because the market is basing that set of assumptions off of what we know today, and they're saying that right now they need grain, and they're willing to provide that incentive for producers to bring their grain to the elevator uh, right now and, and help meet some of that market demand. And that's why we've seen basis soften across the country is there isn't that incentive for producers to hold on to grain. And so they're selling on these rallies and that's pushing down local, local demand for the grain just a little bit. Uh, looking at global factors that could be driving those incentives that you talked about, uh, I'm thinking of things like, uh, you know, obviously uh, some, some tensions, you know, I say some, a lot of tensions and we'll talk about that in a second, but the U.S. dollar first, first off, what adjustments are you seeing there and what kind of, of power shift has that added or taken away from our exports? Yeah, great question. So, you know, with all the concerns on Wall Street and the events overseas, the U.S. dollar continues to strengthen. Uh, that's that's people around the world looking for you know a safe currency to trade with, and the U.S. dollar has that reputation. So, the value of our dollar comparable to other export partners or or what have you, you know, could potentially uh, have major impacts on our export shipments. And and certainly, I think we've seen that over the years that when our dollar strengthens, we struggle with with you know, robust export programs, or at least at the same level with a weaker dollar, because it creates a, an environment where our products without any change really, other than the currency become more expensive. And, and that's what we're seeing right now is our US dollar strengthening and that's making our ag exports more expensive. And you talked about, uh, you know, tensions, I, I guess we're kind of both are there, but uh, Russia and Ukraine. Uh, what, what's what, what's the update there? Because we, we've seen increased tensions and, and you know so you know increased uh, pushback from Ukraine and and actual skirmishes in the last week. So ha has that already been priced in the market, or are we seeing adjustments because of that? What what are you seeing from the market? Yeah, I think a lot of that has been priced into the market. Uh, there's there's several indicators I could point to that. Probably the biggest one was last Friday with the the big sell off that we had in, in the grains. Well, really across the board, not just grains. That was that was largely people saying, "Hey, I don't I don't want to be in this market over a closed weekend or you know while the market's not trading in case things drastically change uh, for you know for that region, the Black Sea region." And I I wouldn't be surprised to see that same type of market reaction again at the end of this week if things haven't really changed. Just people don't want to get caught on the wrong side. But the invasion in Ukraine continues. Uh, the two sides met Monday near the Belarus-Ukraine border with no 
immediate agreements on terms of what to do. And, and tensions certainly continue to, to ramp up. Uh, Russia increased their nuclear deterrence forces. Western nations and Western allies continue to counter with increased sanctions on Russia as well. You know, probably the, the thing that we've been watching and, and people ask me how sanctions play into the trade of grain uh, we haven't really sanctioned grain, and so grain could continue to flow out. But what we're seeing is we're seeing an almost cease of the of the trade of that region, and that's coming for a variety of reasons. Uh, grain prices within the Black Sea region have have plummeted, uh, and so meaning that if you've got a shipper willing to go into that region and get product and come out, there's profit to be made there uh, because again, cheaper prices there, and the rest of us are all experiencing surging prices through this. And so if you can find somebody to go in and get it and come out. Uh, there's profit to be made. The problem is, or some of the challenges are that insurance premiums are high uh, and there's great concern over being captured. And so shippers aren't willing to go into the region and pick up product uh, for, for countries, especially like India and Egypt that depend on that Black Sea region wheat. Uh, you know, they're, they're not willing to do that, even though, you know, there, there's, a, there's a market incentive to do so. On the flip side of that, one of the other concerns is exporters within the region are also hesitant to make contracts because they're concerned about getting product from inside the country to the ports. Just like here in the United States, we don't store a lot of grain at our ports. Basically, grain comes down the Mississippi River on barges and it goes immediately from the barge to the ocean liner. We don't store grain at the ports. And so these port workers in, in the Black Sea region are concerned about their ability to get grain from central part of the country to the ports and onto boats. Uh, and all of that's basically ceased trade out of the region for the time being. So right, right now, the region seems to be uh, kind of fool's gold. You know, you, it's there, but you can't get it. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, looking at, at uh, soybeans and corn, uh, really the market drivers remain South America and South American weather. And uh, we'll, we'll have some uh, reports coming out later today, uh, you know, maybe also being market factors, looking, looking at South American estimates. So we'll uh, we'll focus that a, a little bit more on, on next week and beyond. Um, but Ben, I want to talk to you about uh, crop insurance. Uh, we, we finally got the the levels uh, that those are going to be based offset uh, based on the the February contract. So looking at, at corn, you know it's over five dollars and eighty cents, so a pretty high level there. Uh, what's that going to mean for producers? Yeah, you're right. So this is the second highest uh, base price for corn that we've had. Uh, for soybeans, it is the highest. So for that base price for soybeans estimated at $14.32 per bushel, that's up $2.46 from last year and nearly 85 cents higher than the all-time record set in 2011. So for both corn and soybeans, very strong projected prices set here during the month of February that's going to be those base prices for crop insurance. With higher prices and increased volatility like what we've seen, uh, that comes with higher insurance premiums. So for producers that haven't met with their crop insurance agent yet, uh, please just, I guess, this is my token of, of knowledge for you that crop insurance prices are going to be a lot higher this year than they were last year and probably higher than you've seen in a long time because, you know, the increase in yields are, are going to set some of our highest revenue guarantees that we've we've ever had across the board. And so, uh, prices are high. And with that, a lot of producers have been asking me if the harvest price option, so basically the ability to choose the higher price between the fall in October and this base price here in February is worth the higher cost. And, you know, I, I do markets for a living and, and I, I'm, I'm even puzzled in some cases in terms of what's going to happen just because there's so much uncertainty in the world. So 
I pulled a group of, you know, producers this weekend. Uh, it was a, a conference, top farmers conference. So farmers that are generally pretty in tune with the markets and asked them what their probability was that the fall harvest price would be higher than our, our base price here in February. And only 22% said that they thought it would be higher by the time we got to the fall, meaning 78% producers thought that the price would would be lower uh, than than these base prices and so I kind of I turned it around and I said well that should you know as a group you all think that the harvest price option isn't worth it uh, and and you know the cheaper harvest price exclusion uh, could be a viable option but let's talk about what you're giving up by doing that but then we also turned around and said well why do you think price will be cheaper and and on the corn side, it is a mixture of things. Uh, South America is producing their larger second crop corn right now uh, with the incentive to even produce more corn. And so that could put some downward pressure on, on corn prices. Uh, good yield here in the United States was another option. But then on the reverse side, expanding, expanding drought in the Southern Plains, uh, if that were to continue to creep up over the months of February and June, could put you know a lot of pressure on corn prices uh, here in the United States to go higher. So it was kind of a neat activity uh, to, to play with producers and, and think about expectations and sentiment as we head through the, the, the marketing year. All right. Well, Ben, as always, I appreciate uh, the, these discussions and uh, I always look forward to them every week. If listeners and viewers want to, to learn more or see more of uh, things like this and more podcasts from Brownfield, visit brownfieldagnews.com. I'm Will Robinson, and this is Brownfield.